0: Hello, and welcome to the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. Our church has a passion to reach people who are far from God, teach them to follow Jesus, and launch them out to serve God in the world. If you're in the San Diego area, we'd love for you to join us for a service. Please visit questsd.com to learn more about us, find out service times, and explore our ministries. If you have any questions, send us an email at info@questsd.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's message.
1: In Ephesians 5.15, and, and eventually we'll be getting to Psalms, we'll, we'll uh, give you the reference there, but I've got just a couple of scriptures as we, we enter into the study. He says, be very careful then how you live, in Ephesians 5.15, God says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. And we don't have to spend much time to look around and think about the darkness of this world. But we're not going to be overcome by evil. We're going to come overcome evil with good. And we're going to let our light so shine in this world that people will see God and it will overcome the evil that's out there. So think about that as these opportunities to share our faith come up. Uh, let's make the most of them. Just like at Christmas, Christmas. And Easter is very similar to a time where we can encourage and share and invite. So prayerfully think about the days ahead and how we can be a part and how we can invite others to be a part. It's a time for, for spiritual growth, a time for repentance and renewal, reflection, uh, but also it's a time of joy. And, and um, we'll be looking at some psalms today that talk about the joy of our salvation and praises to God that, that follow with that understanding. But uh, time in prayer and time in the word prepares us for these encounters. And you know, I've been thinking lately about some of the the celebrations that have been going on, and even in other religions where uh, the Jewish Passover time coincides with with Easter, and that's this April. It's it's, uh, this year, it's the 5th through the 13th. And we're gonna talk a little bit about Passover today. And it's an opportunity. We can use to talk to somebody who is maybe of the Jewish faith and ask them about questions about what is the Passover all about to you and not to be afraid to have these conversations and to reach in and share. The Bible says, come let us reason together. And in First Peter he says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you. A reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Or gentleness and respect is another translation. So it's, these are opportunities, these celebrations are times when we can ask questions of other people who are maybe a little more spiritually attuned, a little more receptive to things of faith during Easter. And whether it's a Passover, or I was looking at, at recently... Um, the season, uh, mostly in the Catholic faith, is a season of Lent, and it's a season of fasting and prayer and reflection and giving. and And giving is an important part of the Jewish uh, Passover time as well. So there's this there's this spiritual uh, awareness that I think people have this time of year that we shouldn't be hesitate to engage with others in. You can ask, uh, you know, ask somebody on Ash Wednesday, "Hey, what's that?" cross all about on your head and just have those discussions and see what the Lord will do to uh, allow us opportunities to share faith and encourage people, um, you know, to come to know the Lord in greater ways and and to know his truth and to share the word. So uh, think about these celebrations uh, that are going on, these opportunities. And if anybody saw uh, recently the movie, uh, Jesus Revolution. Revolution. Did you see that, a few of you? I know we went to a movie and a lot of, went to the movie and a lot of us came together and got to see that. It was really uh, inspiring in, in, the, in the way that it talked about in the, in the 60s and 70s, the, the kind of a lost generation of uh, hippies and and people that they pointed out were really just seeking. They were seeking uh, you know, the love of God in all the wrong places and all the wrong ways. But they were still an openness. And, and this idea that people are open is an opportunity that knocks on our door and we should meet them where they're at and try to bring them further, closer to the Lord and share with them. So I think that movie uh, is really uh, speaks to, to this time as well with the unrest and the, and the, the lostness of people. Uh, these are opportunities for us to share the truth. And um, remember, we speak the truth in love, with gentleness and respect, but we don't sacrifice either. We speak the truth, but we speak it in love. So, our outreach methods here, and, and this is considered a, just a number of outreaches we do for Easter. We do uh, the Harvest Festival at that Halloween time to give people a positive alternative. Uh, that day, we have um, a couple others. We have a sports camp where we reach out to the kids in the community coming this summer. We have uh, Christmas, which is always a time that people are more receptive to come uh, into church and to hear and talk about and consider the things of God. But these, these celebrations, these, uh, these opportunities, um, you know, our, uh, our, our, our goals here, uh, like Pastor Sherwood would say, he says... Uh, as far as our methods and our message. He says our message doesn't change, but our methods may. As uh, time and, and society changes, we, we try to reach into people's lives um, in creative ways. And, and this outreach is just a great example of that. And he says anything, I like what Sherwood says about anything short of sin, we'll, we should be willing to do to reach people's lives. And so that means being flexible. Being willing to to take a step of faith that maybe uh, uh, you know might be uncomfortable or new, but how something the Lord can really use in a, in a in a new work, so our goal is to have good news and something like this we have the good news, our message is clear it 's from the stage we proclaim his word, we give away great uh, you know, resources for kids and and tell them the truth of God in in creative ways. We're thinking of more and more ways to do that at this event. Uh, We have good food. We have good fun. We have good people. We have uh, God's presence, a good God's presence at these uh, events. So that's our our heart for outreach and for for ministering during these opportunities. And so let's think about that as well uh, for ourselves, how we might reach out to those around us. We're going to look into the book of Psalms today, uh, Psalms 113 through 118. If you want to turn to that, we uh, are going to be looking at this, uh, these, these uh, specific five or so Psalms, 113 through 118, and uh, they're considered Psalms of praise. So our, our goal today is to consider how the Lord might be speaking to us in ways that we can be more... Excited, joyous, praising him, in, in these, uh, and how these celebrations, these festivals and things might help us to, to draw closer in that way to God. Um, Psalm 113 through 118 are considered a special section that were used in celebrations like Passover to, um, to uh, share together as part of the story, the retelling of all that God did, and and they're called praise songs uh, from the word hallel if I'm saying that right, which means to praise, and hallelujah means to praise God, praise to the Lord. So, hallelujah, uh, Psalms is what these are, or part of the hallel. Uh, specifically for the deliverance from Egypt, and remembering uh, what the events of Exodus—how through the plagues God delivered His people from bondage and slavery—and Passover is all about retelling that time. So, so leading up to Easter, Jesus is going to celebrate that Passover, and, and it's an important time um, in the in the uh, the story and the life of Jesus, uh, and and in the Jewish community today, and and even uh, ancient uh, Israel. God gave them this um, this Passover uh, remembrance um, observance, we'll call it, a time to remember all that He did, His provision for them in the desert wandering after they left uh, Egypt, and their entry into the Promised Land of Israel. So, I'm going to look at Psalm 114, and it just it it starts to to tell that story a bit. It's rather short; it's only eight verses. Uh, most of these are fairly short, but uh, when we think of psalms, it's, uh, they're also songs. These are songs that they might sing during these festivals. So in Psalm 114, uh, again, this is a song uh, recalling God's great act of saving his people. Uh, very similar observance to what we would have as, as Easter today and the Easter story for us. This is, a, this is an important part of their heritage and God's deliverance to them. So he says, uh, when Israel went out of Egypt, Psalm 114, the house of Jacob from a people of a strange language, Judah became his sanctuary and Israel his dominion. I mean, God was with them, tabernacling with them into the, the promised land. And the sea saw it and fled. This refers to the Dead Sea when they crossed God parted the ocean or the sea and they passed through. And Jordan turned back. The Jordan River also parted for them uh, to enter Israel, the promised land. The mountains skipped like rams, the little hills like lambs. And this speaks to the power of God and, and remembering the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud that that led the way for them to uh, through the desert. What ails you, O sea, that you fled. O Jordan, that you turned back. O mountains that you skipped like rams. O little hills like lambs. Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turned the rock into a pool of water, this refers to that water in the desert that came from the rock, and the flint into a fountain of waters. So this uh, is a song they would sing as a remembrance for their exodus, their, their, their uh, freedom from bondage and slavery, their travels through the wilderness, their entry into the promised land. So important to remember the heritage that they had and that we have as Christians in our Easter story and and other times of remembrance and reflection, like communion that Jesus gave us in the, in the Last Supper story. So it speaks to God's power and his deliverance. And there's other promises in there that we'll touch on. But uh, these Psalms, again, were traditionally part of the Passover. And in Matthew 26, 26. Verse 26, it talks about that last supper, that Passover supper that Jesus shared in the night uh, before he was captured and beaten and crucified, uh, that he celebrated with his disciples. And I'm just going to read a portion of that in Matthew 26, 26 through 30. And it says, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body. Then he he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And we'll talk about in a minute that cup and the new covenant, but he says, it says here at the end of this in verse 30, it says, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This would have been part of their Passover festival. Traditionally, these psalms have been tied to the Passover celebration. So that one we just read, 114, that commemorates their history and their exodus, uh, very much a part of the Passover uh, ceremony or, or, or meal. And, and there's others as well. But just imagine... Um, Jesus, at that Last Supper, singing these hymns, these psalms, uh, with his disciples to God in remembrance of all, uh, teaching us and showing us to remember all that God has done for us. And as we go forward in this study, I I want us all to try to listen. Listen to what God might be saying to us as far as, well, quite simply, our reasons to praise him looking for reasons to praise God, because these songs are all about singing praise to God. Psalms or songs, same thing. Just like we sang here already, this would be what they, um, their songs of praise uh, in ancient times, and what what Jesus would typically uh, uh, sing at a a Passover. So I want to look at Psalm 116. And we're just going to read through this and, and look at all the wonders of, of this and how it might reflect on our lives. But this, again, these all these psalms would be typically used as part of the ceremony, maybe at different times in the ceremony. But let's read through Psalm 116, and let's, let's just kind of listen to how the Lord might speak to each of us, because he does. He speaks to each of us through his word uniquely, and there's something for each of us here, I think. He says in Psalm 116, he says, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplication, my prayers. God listens to us. As his children, he hears us. Because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. We have that opportunity all of our life, in every situation, for, to call to him and have him hear our prayers and act on our prayers the pains of death surrounded me and the pangs of sheol laid hold of me i found trouble and sorrow so again jesus perhaps singing this psalm and thinking about the death and suffering that is to come that we share often suffering daily in this life and you know, if you ever look into, into the uh, prophecies in, in Isaiah 53 or Psalm 22, these are really great places to be in your devotion, maybe, as you lead into Easter. It talks in great detail uh, about prophecies of Messiah and how Jesus fulfills this and his suffering and his death and his resurrection. All It's all there in Isaiah 53. ancient text that predicted all that he would fulfill in Psalm 22. But... But the suffering, and he says in verse 4, Then I called upon the name of the Lord, O Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. And even on the cross, Jesus was crying out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When it's understood that he became fully, he was fully man and fully God. And he's suffering as one of us. And he's separated from God by the sins of the world that have been placed on him. And feeling as we felt um, at times, suffering and abandonment. and He's crying out to God. So this could be very relevant, very much a song that, that he would sing and, and, and feel deeply. And he goes on, the psalm goes on to say, Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful, which is a reason to praise him. The Lord preserves us simple. I was brought low and he saved me. He saves us, our salvation, a reason to praise. Return to your rest, O my soul. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. His rest, his provision, his mercy, his salvation, all reasons to praise. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore, I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, All men are liars. So this speaks to betrayal. And how we can be robbed and cheated and steal, stolen from in this life. And we can suffer great affliction. The Christian life is not about health and wealth and prosperity. It's about God walking with you through times that aren't so healthy or wealthy or prosperous. But, but God's blessing each day is apparent. And we do have so much to be thankful for in so many ways. but but more so how his presence is always with us and he hears us when we cry and he's with us in our afflictions. So again, this might be relevant to Jesus and his betrayal and his afflictions. And in verse 12, he says, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits towards me? I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the the name of the Lord. So salvation, this step towards salvation reuniting with God, a step that hopefully all of us here have taken today to removing the barrier of sin that stands between us and God that only Jesus can take away, that he uh, is our salvation and we can make that prayer and he will come into our life and then we can be transformed and we can be moved and empowered to, to serve him and give our lives back to him. He says in verse 14, Well, 13 again, I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now and in the presence of of all his people, unashamedly praising and worshiping and giving his life, the psalmist's life, to the Lord. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. He's there with us to the very end, close to us, precious to us. O Lord, truly I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. Again, he wants to worship. He wants to give his vows. He wants to proclaim unashamedly. And he wants to serve. This is the end result of our salvation. We want to give and surrender it all to him. And he says, finally, in 17, I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving, which is praise, and and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all this people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem. So this praise theme is forthcoming. The salvation, the surrendering, the giving to God of, our, of, of all that we have. And this unashamed worship. And, and just walking daily in this world, unashamed. And surrendered fully to God as a servant. That's what this psalm walks us through. And, and in there, there should be a, a multitude of reasons for us to praise him. And again, these are songs of praise that they would sing uh, at these special celebrations. And I just wanna look at Jesus. Jesus at the, the Passover meal again and how there are many uh, traditions in this meal. Uh, many of them are highly symbolic. Uh, the Seder or the Passover meal uh, was prescribed by God uh, to Moses in Exodus 12 at the time of the the plagues and when the firstborn of the Egyptians were to be taken because uh, Pharaoh would not release his people. So this is a, a commemoration of what God did to release them from slavery. And they, the elements in that meal, they, they speak to it. The unleavened bread and the bitter herbs and and the sacrificial lamb. So the The blood of that sacrificial lamb was to be put on their doorposts. And that death that was coming for those Egyptian firstborns would pass over the Hebrew people when God saw that blood and, and he would, um, they would pass over. God's judgment would pass over. And that's really symbolic for our faith in Jesus today. And it, it speaks to how Jesus is our, our Passover lamb. But... Uh, just just a couple of symbols in there. That unleavened bread in First Corinthians, uh, this unleavened bread they would eat at the at the Passover meal, the the Seder meal. It speaks to um, a number of things in the Exodus, to where their haste of leaving and they, they wouldn't let their they didn't have time for their bread to rise and things like that. But but Jesus comes to f- to fulfill and explain in greater ways some of the meaning of these symbols. And he says in First Corinthians five six through eight, he says. God says, do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you, are, you truly are unleavened. So speaking, uh, again, the symbol of leaven, how it can represent sin in the New Testament is important to, to realize. And he says, for indeed, this is in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 6, he says, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Jesus is our Passover. The passing over of God's judgment. The sacrificial lamb that died in our place and suffered in our place. He says, therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, not with the leaven of malice and wickedness. That means the sinfulness that it represents. But with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. God wants our hearts, our open, honest, truthful hearts. And he will meet us wherever we're at. He will meet us in the midst of our affliction, in the midst of our joys and our triumphs, and he wants us in sincerity and truth. And so, also, think about the sacrificial lamb that was offered. And in John 1.29, where this lamb would would be spotless, it would be... uh, a young lamb. There are very specific rules and guidances for, for all these uh, uh, Passover meal um, um, you know, procedures and, 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 and lots of um, uh, you know, ritual. But quite simply, that sacrificial lamb in John 1 29 is, is represented by um, or, or as Jesus eventually. He says, the next day John, this is John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So for believers today, he is our covering of the sin. He has taken all the sin away as on the doorposts of those homes and God's judgment passes over us. Jesus is our Passover. All the wrath that sin requires. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And Jesus shed that blood so that we might live forever and be reunited with God and that he is our Passover represented by that sacrificial lamb. Just a couple more things with Jesus at the Passover. Now, uh, traditionally, various cups are drank during the Passover meal and each one can commemorate the four promises of God to his chosen people, God's children, um, promises of deliverance, covenants, promises of deliverance that God made to his people. And in Exodus 6, um, verses 6 through 7, he tells of his promises, that, of that, how he will deliver them. He says, God says in Exodus 6, verse 6 and 7, he says, I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. This can be translated today to us, the bondage of sin and suffering and affliction that we, uh, in our own strength and our own power, cannot get over, that will eventually consume us without the Lord in our life. And that judgment that is awaiting us, should we not turn to Him and count on His promises? And He says, I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. First one, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. The second one is, I will rescue you from their bondage. The third one is, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. And the fourth is, I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. So he's going to rescue and redeem and bring them out and take them as his people. Promises. And at, at the Passover, at the Seder, uh, traditionally today, and, and I believe uh, this would be true of, of Jesus' time, that these cups of remembering God's covenant, his promise to deliver and to make them his people, uh, are, are uh, typically reflected in that ceremony. And I just want to read in Luke chapter 22 another account of the Passover meal that Jesus took with his disciples. And he says in verse 14, Luke twenty two fourteen. 14, He says, When the hour had come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And then he said to them, With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and he gave thanks and broke it. And gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is our Passover celebration. Our remembrance. Our story of redemption. Our story of the covenantal promises that God gives us. And in verse 20 it's interesting. He says, likewise he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. This account seems to show two cups. And it would be typical to be part of that ceremony to, to raise these cups of um, uh, remembering God's promises. So just an interesting uh, study in, in Passover and, and in the symbols of Passover and, how, and more so how Jesus really fulfills these um, traditions and uh, rituals that God had laid down and, and, and fully fulfills. And It's just interesting that that he is our Passover, it says. Jesus is our Passover, and he took the cup of suffering, and he will bring us out of that sin and bondage, and he will rescue us, and he will redeem us, you know, his mercy and his grace and his goodness, and take us as his people forever. Um, In Hebrews, it says, So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait him, He will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Jesus will return. He will return to claim his people and to make things right. And there will be a time of judgment when he comes. And to have that judgment pass over our lives, we need to have asked him into our heart to cover our lives with that Passover blood symbolized by the Lamb. That sacrifice that he took my sins that's what all of this is leading to, and in the Easter celebration. But first, the Passover. The Passover, proclaiming who Jesus is. He is our cup of blessing. He is the new covenant. The promises, the sacrifices are done. He is the one time for all. So, as we're thinking about reasons to praise Him, uh, Psalm 117 is is quite short, and uh, it's one of the shortest in the Bible. It's the shortest chapter in the Bible, the shortest psalm in the in the book. And uh, it's interesting, you know, I, I started thinking about this when um, Pastor Sherwood was talking about some weeks back, he mentioned Psalm 117 and how Psalm 118 is right in the center, it's the geographical center basically of the Bible and I thought those are interesting so I looked at it and then realized that there was an abundance around these psalms of of celebration, observance of festivals and feasts that... That these songs of praise uh, were a part of, and even to where Jesus likely uh, singing them in that scripture that was referenced before he went out to the Mount of Olives and His betrayal and capture. So 117 is, is very short and to the point, and something for us to think about. He says, "Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, laud him, all you peoples." And that just means to speak well of." Laud him. Praise is a definition that is to be excited, excitedly boastful about. It's just one definition that is pretty clear. Excitedly boastful about. Um, you know, we do worship with all our hearts, minds, souls, and strength in uh, this place. Hopefully, in other days and times in your life, you can worship the Lord anywhere any posture, any way. But it's really a bowing down of our hearts and our minds and our, our souls and our lives to him. And it's a surrender and a giving up to the Lord our lives. And so to to praise excitedly about him uh you know, uh, you can go to a concert and get excited and, and they can whip you up and they can get you to dance and jump and sing at the top of your lungs and scream and all sorts of things and, and that would be great to worship the Lord that way. And it's also great to sit quietly in your prayer closet and to be, uh, meditate on the Lord and to praise him and worship him in the still small voice, in the quiet of your heart. There is no right or wrong way to praise God But he does want our hearts involved. He wants our minds to think about him. He wants our bodies surrendered to him as servants. And he wants our hearts to be excited for him and moved by him. So the fullness of worship and so many reasons to worship here. And his mercy and kindness. In verse 2, he says, For his merciful kindness is great towards us, and the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Now, this pledge is to all people and all nations. It's to the Jews and the Gentiles, specifically. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. All you nations is another translation. So God fulfilled his promises to the entire world through Jesus. And it was just uh, the work in the, in, in the Jewish people and the story of Israel. Is, is symbolic of his work he's doing on behalf of all of us, that he has done for all of us. We, we hope and pray that that work is finished in our lives as far as salvation and the ongoing sanctification until we are one day with him is uh, something we can praise him for. Um, in Romans 10, 12... It supports this idea. And it just says, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Your friends, your family, your neighbors, anybody who's far from him, those despised in this world, the tax collectors, the sinners, those who are most difficult, our enemies, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In faith, repenting, surrendering to God as Lord of their life we can help we can help that happen and we can grow our own faith through the Easter season through remembering these ceremonies and celebration do this in memory of me never forgetting what he's done in our lives what he's doing in our lives what he wants to do in the lives of others remembering and knowing that his heart is for all people God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. His desire is that all would be saved and come to faith. So let's be a part of that this season. It's an opportunity. Easter is such an opportunity. Just like Christmas or other times of year when we reach out to people, uh, there's a receptiveness. So ask questions of people. Ask them, what do you, uh, what are you, um, what's the word, fasting from, for Lent? What are you... Uh, Giving in your in your or tell me about your Jewish your your Jewish Seder meal. What does it all represent? Maybe there's an opportunity there for somebody who's lost and seeking to find the truth of God and and for us to grow our faith in greater ways. So this is a call to worship in Psalm 113, one one eighteen. And and often in these Psalms it, it repeats, it says, Sing, sing, sing to the Lord. there's, there's these triplets and and, uh, specific, uh, you know, liturgy for worship that would be like, uh, all rise, let's sing, you know. It's kind of a part of their worship routine in these psalms that would would be a call to worship. And and just to finish up here in Psalm 113, he says, uh, to praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. And this is verse 1 through 3. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. You might recognize some familiar songs from these these psalms. And and throughout the book of Psalms, we have built worship songs on them and and integrated them. And so that's part of our celebrations, our remembrance. So let's, uh, let's just be ready to engage and to answer the call to worship. And, and in whatever way, whatever time, God would ask of us to take a moment to pray, to worship, to surrender, and let him come in and do the work. Let him come in and clean things up a bit if they need cleaning. And let him um, celebrate with us in those times of uh, rejoicing. And, and even in the, the desperation and difficulty of this world that is, again, abundant, uh, let his light shine. And even Job... Who suffered greatly so that God's greatness could be shown through his trials? He said, He said this, Job. He says, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Yet will I trust him and hope in him. So no matter what our suffering is, we have hope eternally and forever, not just um, forever, but also for now. We have opportunities. To take steps of faith, to grow in faith, to feel his comfort, to worship, and to remember his promises that are forever. So I encourage you all to, um, our worship team can come on up, uh, to uh, listen to the Lord and, and find those reasons to pray. And even if you don't have any reasons, if you just feel you're suffering and are afflicted and betrayed and, and as Jesus was. As Job was, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Let's have that covenant as as a promise in return to all the promises of God, of his deliverance and his redemption and his salvation, that we will covenant with God to praise him. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. No matter what our circumstances, let's find opportunities to praise and to share our faith. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for, uh, again, your goodness. We thank you for your word that that pierces our hearts and touches our lives in, in ways nothing else can, that it can prune and grow us, remove from us so that greater growth will come. Help us to repent of our sins. Help us to reach out to those in need. Help us to forgive. Help us to surrender. Help us to be thankful to you for your abundance no matter what our circumstances that you are abundant in your presence and how we can reach up to you, reach out to you in worship and reach out to others in a a world that is often dark full of lost people but that you're ready, willing and excited to reach into their lives and help us to be that way too. Help us to praise you Help us to honor you. Help us to give our lives to you.
0: We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Quest Church San Diego sermon podcast. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions about the Bible, need prayer, or recently made a commitment to follow Jesus, we'd love to hear from you. Please visit questsd.com to get connected. You can also send us an email at info at to let us know how God is using these messages to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Until next time, we pray you have a blessed week.